welcome to What We Do in the Meadow, a podcast where we lovingly roast the Twilight series chapter by chapter. I'm Laura. And I'm Ryan. And uh, today we are doing our movie episode. Our long-anticipated, by us, movie episode. Very exciting stuff. Because it meant we didn't have to read, we just got to sit on our butts and watch a movie. So uh, picture this. You're strolling through the old uh, blockbuster. The old Target movie section. You're flipping through DVDs, reading descriptions. You'll read this one. When Bella Swan moves to a small town in the Pacific Northwest, she falls in love with Edward Cullen, a mysterious classmate who reveals himself to be a 108-year-old vampire. Do you pick up the movie? Yes. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe. Maybe you want some more information. What do you do? What do you do? You watch the fucking trailer. You watch the fucking trailer. We watched the trailer. Uh-huh. Would I have seen Twilight just based on watching the trailer? I mean, technically, I guess in the past, yes, I did do that. I have done that. Okay. With no prior knowledge of Twilight. I saw the trailer and I went and saw the movie. Right. As a youngin. As an adult? As me right now. No. 2021. No. No, I don't think that I would. It, the trailer it, wasn't that good. The trailer was pretty bad. I feel like, okay... And hear me out, there are, just as there are different styles of movie making that get popular in certain eras, there are different styles of movie trailers that are typical in certain eras. And Twilight Movie 1, the original trailer, is definitely a product of its time. It was like, what, 2008? Yeah. It starts off very brooding and, like, mysterious segues wildly into like a makeout scene on the bed and then segues wildly again into the whole conflict with James and that's the trailer it's like I know what you are and then they're making out and then there's a fight and that's the Twilight movie one trailer I feel like I know the entire movie based on that trailer yes I don't feel like I need to see the movie at this point having seen the trailer you know what I mean? Like, I've seen it all. Yeah. It, I've seen it all and it it's probably really not does, that good. It really does give you basically the entire plot because it starts off with Bella being like, you're really fast and strong and I know what you are. You're and she says the word vampire. Yeah, she says it out loud, vampire. Then it's like Edward being all, I'm going to try something. And they like make out on her bed. We all know that scene. Unfortunately. Uh, because he starts to, like, you know, get into it, and then he, like, shoves himself off her so hard that he flies back into a wall. They don't show that part. <laughs> but we know. Trailer. But we know that that happens. Then it's the whole James thing, and, it, like, they show the ballet studio. They show, like, Edward, like, fighting James. And they even, like, have the line where James is like, you're faster than the others, but not stronger. And then Edward goes, strong enough to kill you. And then... Instead of just ending, it goes to, like, Edward and Bella, like, talking. And Edward's like, you are my life now. So, like, we basically, that's literally the whole fucking plot of the movie right there. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's it. Not not a great trailer. It doesn't give away any of what makes the Twilight movie so iconic, you know? You don't get any of the atmosphere. Which, I mean, I know it's hard to get by in a trailer. But, you know, when I see that trailer, I don't think Catherine Hardwick's Twilight 2008. No. Uh, that the trailer was obviously meant to float the mainstream. Well, not only float the mainstream, but also like to get all the like little girls who were obsessed with the book 
to be like, oh my god, I know what that scene is from. I can't wait to see this movie. I'm so excited. They quote from the book. Right. And I'm sure they all did. It definitely also, like, probably appealed to people who had no idea what Twilight was. Well, they were like... You know what I mean? Because it was a very... Yeah, it was just... It was it was a movie trailer. Uh, it looked like all the other movie trailers. It was a movie trailer featuring a very attractive girl and a very attractive boy. So... so there you go. You know. Yeah. Like, people, people were going to be into it. Would I have gone and seen it? Well, you know what I did, as I said. Would I today go and see it? No. Would you rent it? Maybe. I might rent it if it was free and there was nothing else to do. Like I might watch it for free. All right. But uh, that's the that's the trailer. That's our setup for this uh, iconic movie. Uh, before we really get into the movie, though, because I think we have a lot to say. We do. You've pretty much heard it all already because we've talked about this movie non-fucking-stop. Mm-hmm. But before we really dive into this iconic piece of cinematic history, right? we want to give a shout-out oh, to... Yeah. We got a... A, a, a human interaction. Oh my god, yeah. Like, we did. it was nerds. We got a human interaction with a human <clears throat> via Twitter. Are we um, sure that she was a human? She could know, be a vampire. She could be a vampire. She could be. She could be a werewolf. A werewolf. Perhaps a ghost. <laughs> Ghosts can a use phantom. Twitter. A phantom. Phantom of the meadow. Uh, her name is Maya. Maya from Canada. She tweeted at us. Um, she says she literally made her Twitter account just to tweet at us. Um, and she requested that we create an Instagram. Which we do have. We do have. It's not up and running yet, but I promise it's in progress. Yes. Once we get through uh, this movie episode and we're on our, our short break before New Moon hits, mm-hmm. we will have that up and running. We have plans. We, we have, have lots plans. lots going on right lots now. Of, we have lots of pots cooking on the stove right now. Almost too many pots cooking on the stove. But, um... Thank you, Maya, for A, creating your Twitter, B, following us on that Twitter. Bovie thanks you as well. Bovie's doing her bullshit. <laughs> C, tweeting us via that Twitter. Mm-hmm. And D, just being fucking cool. Yeah. Finger guns. Pew, 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 pew. Thank you very much, Maya. All right. Laura. Yes. Shall we get into this goddamn movie? Yes. Perfect. Let me start us off here. I went on the Rotten Tomatoes. Because who okay. doesn't love the Rotten Tomatoes? I was curious. I was like, what? what's the Rotten Tomatoes have to say about... What uh, were people saying about Twilight the when Twilight. it came out? Well, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you this first of all. Mm-hmm. Tomato meter, 49%. Okay. Unwell. Not the worst um, it could be. The, it, I would expect that. I would expect it too. Because, but it is unwell. Because, you know, they they rate it. It's not like based on like user reviews. It's It's... It's like critic reviews. Well, that's what I would also like to say is that the audience review is pretty different uh, at 73%. Yeah, that's so that's more like that's it. more like it. We as we all know, director Catherine Hardwick, an absolute hero in my mm-hmm. mind. This uh, movie was released uh, in 2008, November 21st, an iconic day in everyone's lives. And uh, there were some I mean there's lots of reviews on there. Everybody's got an opinion about the Twilight movie and the Twilight series, and a lot of it is just, you know, the cool kid approach to Twilight, which is that it just sucks. You yeah. know what I mean? But there were, uh, I got some memorable reviews here. This one is from Mike Massey. He's from the Phoenix Critics Circle. All right. And um, I thought this one was kind of funny. It says, the fact that it's not completely appalling is perhaps its greatest achievement. <laughs> All right. Fair. I like that one just because, yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this one actually, um, it's a bit of a compliment. 
to the movie, but also like a kind of like a shade towards the book, which I can appreciate okay. as someone who did not think that the book was that great. Right. Jenny Turner, London Review of Books. Oh, in she's accordance, from London. She's, in, she's from London. I know it's going to be... It's going to be harsh. That's right. This, this, I mean, you can definitely tell that she's from London. In accordance with the adage about the rubbishy book, there's the London, uh, making okay. for a better movie, Twilight the film is great. So yeah. I mean, yeah. This book sucked. Movie, fantastic. Right. And then this one is from Pete Vonderhaar. I actually liked this review so much that I think I'm going to link it in our description because it was just like really funny. It would appear that in addition to robbing his brood of their need for blood, Carlisle also removed their balls. All right. And, like, this review was just, it was just honestly great. There's just a lot of, like, really quirky, funny lines in it. And it's its pretty harsh. But I will say, um, overall, I think it's critiquing more the story that Stephanie Meyer wrote mm-hmm. than the movie itself. Well, the movie itself just kind of, it is what it is. It, it is what it is because of what the book is. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, Catherine Hardwick definitely told pretty much to the T Stephanie Meyer's story. Yes. You know, there's not a lot of deviation. There's some, she, but not a lot. It's minor. You know what I mean? It's I mean, very minor. And, and what deviation there is, I actually think, improves the story. We'll get into that a little bit later. I also would like to read a review, and I'm going to read the whole thing. I think this perfectly sums up my movie experience, my Twilight movie experience. It's the first user review that shows up on the IMDb page for the movie. And this person uh, called Taz James Holmes rated the movie a 7 out of 10. And the headline is undeniably atmospheric. And this is what they have to say. There's an atmosphere to Twilight that you, and that much you simply cannot deny. I can't help but be engrossed by the way that this movie captures the beauty, dreariness, and nature of the Pacific Northwest. A memorable score and soundtrack heighten Catherine Hardwick's broody yet still enchanting tone. Elliot Davis's cinematography under her direction replicates the indie flair prominent in her other features. This is what separates it apart from the commercially realized sequels that followed. It's a hot and cold gothic romance with just enough high stakes to enchant you until the very end. If it's raining, you can best believe that I'm slipping into something comfortable and putting Twilight on. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much does sum it up pretty well. That's That it, that literally is the whole thing with the Twilight movie. It's very atmospheric. It's a comfort watch. It's what it is because of the book. Catherine Hardwick definitely managed to polish a turd as well as she possibly could have. Oh, absolutely. And uh, speaking of Catherine Hardwick, I mean, we have to give her props. We do. She, she did a wonderful, wonderful thing. One of the most iconic things I think that people think of when they think of this movie is that blue tint. Yes. Which apparently is just a Catherine Hardwick thing. Okay. I, I read that somewhere. That that's just a thing that she does. Apparently she did it in, a, in another movie that she did. 13. 13. I can't remember. I, I've definitely seen that movie. That's also when um, how she got uh, involved working with Nikki Reed, who yeah. plays Rosalie. Yeah. Yeah, back, so I've never seen 13, but I, I think, honestly, that I need to, to, to just, you know, give it some thanks um, yeah, you know, that's funny. I can't remember the blue tint, but um, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I personally, I can't back it up, but I, I did read that somewhere that that's just kind of a thing that she she likes to do. Um, I also want to give her some props because I read a pretty interesting fact. Okay. Um, which is that literally, like, pretty close to when they started filming this movie, the studio basically came to Hardwick and they were like, you have to cut $4 million from this movie or we're just... We're canning it. It's not happening. Oh. And so she she did. She pulled a whole bunch of like, you know, the fancy movie bullshit. And she, I guess she kind of thought um, 
that once she did that, the studio would be like, oh, fuck, no, put it, put it back. You know what but I mean? Like, but, but they didn't. They didn't at all. So, so this movie was actually shot on like a really low budget, like a whole bunch of stuff. Like apparently a lot of the wardrobe came from like basic stores like Nordstrom Rack and like stuff like that. Yeah, like, you know, that actually kind of makes sense because I did read that in like some of the scenes like Kristen Stewart's wearing like Catherine Hardwick's clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently the budget was just like insanely low. Wow, she did a really good job. Well, that's exactly it. Like, you have to give her mad props working with what she did. Not only did she have to polish Stephanie Meyer's bullshit, okay? Because that's, I mean, that's reason enough for some Mm -hmm. mad props. Oh, yeah. But also the studio basically took, like, a massive dump on her. Yeah. Were they expecting this not to be a thing? Like, I think so. I think that they just didn't expect it to take off the way that it did. That is so Which is weird because wasn't Twilight, like, a bestseller? Yeah. Our neighbors are just... Fucking around upstairs like they like to do when we turn on this microphone. They always be doing that. Um, But, yeah, then again, I mean, think about all the blockbuster, or not blockbuster, but, like, all the best-selling book series that they turn into movies, and those movies fucking tank. So that's actually not super shocking. Like, Aragon. Percy uh, Jackson. Percy Jackson. Oh, jeez. Rip Percy Jackson. Rip Percy Jackson. Um, I apologize in advance for what's going to happen to me when that show comes out on Disney+. Plus. Like, I'm afraid to deal with it. But uh, <laughs> I have to start another podcast. Ultimately, that movie grossed like $190 billion or well, fucking I mean, something yeah, like that. Sure you know what I mean? Like, so that was just... Mad props to Catherine. Mad props. So, do you want to just uh, get into the movie and, like, we'll just kind of, not scene by scene, but kind of go along in order as best we can? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's start off by just putting a base base note down here that this movie is a fucking delight. Yes. It's a fucking delight. I fully... It literally... Okay. You have to start out by saying the soundtrack. Yes. Like that's my literal first note. Yes. The soundtrack fucking iconic it opens up with that i don't even know what song it is but it opens up you know after the whole thing with the deer or whatever yeah with that song and it's like and kristen's standing there in the sunlight vibing with that cactus yeah oh my god like it just immediately it's like oh i live here yes it's definitely like you are leaving like the sun and going to the vampire world the vampire world like you feel it like I don't know. The soundtrack lends a great bit to this it to this movie. It really, really does. And Kristen's voiceovers are good too. I think that that was a good choice. Yeah, it it definitely is not as bad as it could have been. Like I'm usually not a huge fan of movie voiceovers, um, right. but in this instance, I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, the book is from her point of view, so it makes sense. Yeah, and she gives us, like, that, you know, the stuff that we need to know. You know, this yeah. is my dad, Charlie. I'm moving to Forks. This sucks. He's only got one fucking bathroom. <laughs> I don't think that was in the voiceover. But it was. Was it? No, yes. it wasn't. What, that he only has one bathroom? Yeah. Yes, it absolutely was, No, it Laura. wasn't. Yes, she marches up the goddamn stairs, and he goes, I cleared all sort of shelves for you in the bathroom. And, she, and her voiceover goes, right, one bathroom. Is that her voiceover? I could have sworn she said that to him out loud. No. Fuck me. I have seen this movie more times than is healthy for a human body. All right. This movie. All right. All right. All right. I believe you. <laughs> um, speaking of Bella's bedroom, though, like, can we talk about the dog situation? Did Bella have, like, a dog that we don't know about? Yeah, like, I mean, maybe she's got at least five stuffed dogs, like, just 
in the room, like on the shelves, on her bed. There's also a stuffed monkey, though. <laughs> so what does it mean? But plus, she has that painting, though the painting of the dog. The painting is what tips it for me. I feel like you can have a bunch of stuffed animals in your childhood room, and you know, maybe as a child you just like dogs. Yeah. But the maybe. thing that really tips it over for me is that yeah, there's like a like a painting of, of a, a dog. dog of like a white. It's white, right? Like a white dog. If you were the dog in the painting from Bella Swan, please tweet us. Please tweet us and contact us. Like honestly, and the thing that makes I feel like everything in the background of Twilight kind of makes me go hmm because we came to find out that Catherine Hardwick basically likes to lay subliminal messages in uh, the Twilight movie uh, based on her agendas. Yes. We'll get to that a little later, but Catherine Hardwick is a sneaky sneak. So I just wonder, like, was it Catherine's dog? Maybe. Whose dog was it? Maybe it's Stephanie's. Maybe who, it's Stephanie's. Who could say? I don't know. Maybe Bella Swan, as a child, was was the kind of kid that was constantly trying to get her parents to get her a dog. And maybe she was like, if I ask Charlie, maybe he'll do it. Because maybe he'll be lonely when I'm not there. So that way, he can be like the Disneyland dad and get me a dog and it'll just be here when I come visit. So like, every time she would go visit Charlie, he'd be like, Hey, Bells, I I got you a little friend. And she would get all excited. She'd be like, it's the dog, it's the dog, it's the dog. And then she would walk up to her bedroom and there would be another stuffed dog on the bed. And Charlie would be like, you can name him. (laughs) (laughs) And she probably didn't. Or she did and then she would forget. Yeah. Within like the next few days. Well, uh, you know what else Catherine does? Hmm. is um, She does this great thing where she introduces Jacob way sooner than than Stephanie does in the book. Definitely... I wrote that in my notes. I was like, they did such a good thing bumping that Jacob meeting up to the very beginning of the movie. Yeah, because, like, who would have given a damn halfway through a movie? No. Do you know what I mean? It would have been so out of place. So out of place. For him to show up for the first time ever on that beach. Yeah. No. What Catherine does is when Bella's getting her truck, Jacob and Billy are both there. And you know what else Catherine does really successfully? Hmm. In the books... Bella's character, I felt, was kind of jumbled. And, like, Stephanie was trying to do this clumsy Bella thing, but only half the time. And, like, she wasn't really likable at all. But Catherine really made clumsy Bella, like, a a likable thing. Yeah. And it starts with this scene with Jacob. Oh, my God. Where, like, he's, like, Charlie's, like, I bought you this this truck, or this truck. Yeah. And Jacob's, like, I I rebuilt the whole engine for you. It's, you know, I'm Jacob, and I'm, like, 15, and I'm very excited about this. (laughs) Yeah. And Bella's, like, oh, my God, this is, like, fantastic. Bella gets so fucking excited about this truck. And, so um, excited, in fact. <laughs> yeah, she, she like open opens the door. the door. She opens it into Jacob's body. But like, that's not what's funny. What's funny is that like very much like rushed and under her breath, she just goes, "Oh, sorry." <laughs> like, it's so good because it's so like, oh, this is just daily life for me. Like, this is just the first of many times I'm going to accidentally injure myself or another person today. Yeah, like it's not over exaggerated. It's just like this really quick moment where like. She just opens it into him, and he doesn't really react at all. She's just like, oh, sorry. And then they're both in the car, and that's yeah. it. It's, it's so good. It's so good. And, yeah, like, they did a really good job, like, having that meeting. Because first, you get the truck. You get the Jacob backstory of, like, oh, yeah, we we knew each other when we were kids, and our dads are best friends. And uh, and you get, like, Bella going to school right away. Yeah, and... um. Right along this track, this whole cast is so fucking endearing and yes. lovable. Like, we get Eric's introduction, where he's... Ugh. And let me say something. His introduction in the movie is a lot less brutal than his introduction in the books. Like, yes. Eric's just a guy. And he's he's obviously, like, a nerdy guy. But he's kind of... He's kind of got 
some charisma going on. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's like, hey, I'm Eric. You're the new girl. I'm very excited to see you, and I'm going to do a feature for you in the in the, in the newspaper or whatever. Like, Movie he's kind of cool. Eric is very confident yes. in himself. He calls Bella baby. Yeah. He's very, like, charismatic, or at least he thinks he is. <laughs> right, yeah. He, he He's the kind of guy that... If you knew him in real life, you would probably find him to be extremely, extremely obnoxious. But he thinks he's cool. I read that they kind of, so they kind of combined uh, Eric's character in the book with Ben's character in the book. Ben, I think, is the guy that Angela ends up dating in the later books. And that might be why. I can't remember anything about what Ben is like. He gets a quick mention at the very end of the first Twilight book. Angela's dancing with him at prom. But no actual like character moment so like i can't i can't even remember like if that's more like what his personality is but yeah so eric in the movie is like a combination of those two book characters and apparently also according to amazon prime's like trivia thing jessica in the movie is a combination of jessica and lauren what which really shocked me actually because i was like but lauren is a heinous bitch and movie jessica is amazing <laughs> Well, Lauren I mean, is a heinous bitch, and that's why we liked her so much. <laughs> the only thing that I can say in regards to that is that I guess book Jessica is a little bit less confident in herself. She's more just like a I don't know. Okay, she's she 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 makes she she seems like breathless and like you know, but she's not really cool. Movie Jessica is definitely fucking cool. Movie Jessica is definitely she's Anna Kendrick. Yes, but. I can kind of see it a little bit because movie Jessica is definitely a little bit more petty than book yeah. Jessica. Book Jessica is like just a true blue, like good friend to Bella. Movie Jessica is Bella's friend, but she definitely talks shit on Bella. Yeah, she's willing to talk behind shit behind her, her back. back. Yeah. And we see it like in later movies, like, you know, at the wedding when she's like, yeah, we all know why they're getting married now. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like shit like that. Like yeah. they're friends, but like Jessica definitely is like talks shit on her with good reason. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, Anna Kendrick, flawless. Um, we all know, or at least like I feel like we all know, Anna Kendrick apparently blacked out all memory of filming the Twilight series. Uh, and then I guess it came to her in like a, a fever dream or something because last year, like in the midst of like the shutdown, suddenly there was this interview that came out where she like talked about her experience filming and and she was like, yeah, it was just weird. Like she was just like, it was just weird. I don't know. Anna Kendrick, just, I, I want to know more. I want to know everything. You always do. I do. You always That's do. That's why I'm the Jessica. Also, Angela, as far as being a movie character goes, oh, much she's way different. much different. Yeah. She speaks. She's not. She's not nearly as com- as confident as as Jessica. Much like in the book, she's but- like a, a definitely like a more muted character, um, but not so muted as book Angela for sure. No, she's got her own inner confidence. Yeah, she's got her. She's got her own thing going on. Yeah. and then of course, enter Mike. Mike Newton, man! Mike Newton shows up in, uh, I think, gym class. Yes. Volleyball. He's perfect. Oh, he's he's, he's great. He's absolutely perfect. He's like, a great Mike. They, he's, he's 100% perfect. Like, that's all I can say. He's 100% perfect. We did notice this weird thing on one of our watch-throughs of Twilight, actually, uh, it, with that volleyball scene where they introduced Mike, where there's, like, this child. Oh, my God, There's a yes. child in the background of... Of one of the volleyball scenes, the like, volleyball, a, like a nine-year-old. Yeah, like, it's a high school gym class volleyball game. And if you're looking 
And if you've watched this movie as many times as Ryan and I have, you'll see it in the background. Like a literal elementary school age child is walking around. And I'm like, who are you? Who are you? Like, are you some you are you somebody's kid? Is it take your child to work day at like Forks High School? Like, right? Like, did they you? not notice that she was in the background? Did they just think that everyone would think that she was a very small high schooler? Probably because um, also, like, not to get super into it, I, I don't really care that much about like the goofs section on like trivia pages but according to amazon's uh like trivia and goofs thing there are like actually a bunch of scenes in this movie where you can clearly see either like audio wiring under people's clothes or um like actually the boom mics or like crew in the background so i I don't know i mean i guess maybe it was just like a budget thing i was gonna say that probably goes right along with it being like so low budget they probably didn't have a lot of room for retakes. Yeah, and I guess, like, you know, if you're not, like, a complete psycho like Ryan and I, and you're only watching it, like, the one time. You'd never notice. You'd never notice. Yeah. And and we surely didn't the first time we saw it, so. No, it was probably, like, the fifth, sixth, or maybe, like, thirteenth. We've, we've yeah. been around. So, I wanted to mention, uh, real quick. So, the, primarily, this movie was filmed in Oregon, actually, instead of Washington. But they filmed at a few different high schools and community colleges, like, to get the different scenes of, like, Forks High School. I found that interesting that they actually filmed in, like, actual schools. I guess it makes sense. I just kind of assume that it's usually, like, a soundstage or something, though. Unless unless it's, like, a big, like, huge scene with, like, where you can see, like, the whole building, you know? Maybe they couldn't afford a soundstage. I bet Maybe they it was couldn't. just easier to film on location. Yeah, I guess. On weekends or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also wanted to bring up, since we're talking kind of about Bella's friends, uh, something that I, I can't help but notice in the cafeteria scene, uh, when they kind of, like, introduce everybody. Like, what is going on between Eric and Angela? Well, obviously something is, because, okay, There so is, like, some deep backstory there that we do not get to be privy to. Yeah, you know the whole thing with the, um, you know, with Eric, his, his, he introduces himself to Bella and Eric he's like, I'm and doing Angela, a feature. Yeah, both apparently work on the school paper. Yes. So I bet that there's some kind of rival- rivalry there because when Angela sits down at lunch in the cafeteria, she has not yet heard, I guess, that Bella has vetoed the feature. <laughs> yes. So she immediately snaps a photo of Bella. And she's and like, like, it's for the feature. For the feature. And Eric, like, launches himself across the table and he's like, feature's dead, Angela. Don't bring it up again. Like, he gets so mad. Like, and then he kind of walks off. And Angela's like the fuck like she has like this look on her face like oh my god i had no idea like i've offended him deeply like i just want to know like what happened between them because you know in this in the movies like they end up dating later it's that hot school newspaper tension i guess so they probably end up hooking up in the newspaper room i was never on the school newspaper so i never was who is on the school (laughs) newspaper i don't know what the fuck i don't know how that works I think I actually had a very dear friend who was on the school newspaper. Oh, rip. <laughs> rip. <clears throat> so they're in the cafeteria, and then. And then, as we all know, slow the, motion. Slow motion. The Cullens are here. The Cullens are here. We don't need to go scene by scene with this, but I did pay special attention to what the Cullens have on them as they enter this cafeteria. And I'm kind of confused about. The layout of this cafeteria also, might I add, because in some scenes, Bella is, like, in a buffet line in the cafeteria, and then in other scenes, they're, they're like, walking from outside with food. 
It was different places, Laura. I know, but like it just it's, it's, it's inconsistent. Well, I know it's inconsistent, but also, as you said, if you're not a psychopath, you probably wouldn't think about it. All right. It's only people like us who are thinking about it. All right. But you're right, it is deeply inconsistent. Well, I'm it's like, obviously I'm like, different. Did the Cullens like brown bag it? Like, because some of the stuff that they have is stuff that you wouldn't just like bring. Like, you'd buy it from the cafeteria. And some of it is, like, clearly, like, they brought it from home, like Emmett's bag of eggs. So here, I'm going to list, like, what they all have, right? So the Cullens arrive, slow motion. Emmett, he's got a plastic bag full of eggs. There's, like, a dozen hard-boiled eggs in a plastic bag. That's Emmett's lunch. Be strong. Rosalie is Be carrying <laughs> Rosalie is carrying a single apple. Fair. Classic. Alice has no food at all. Jasper has a tray. It has two salads on it, and there's, like, a can of what I initially thought might have been an energy drink, but I actually think is probably, like, a sparkling juice or water because once they sit down, they, like, disperse some of the food, and one of the salads that Jasper had on his tray was for Edward, and the other one is for him and Alice, I guess, to share. Who shares a fucking salad? Like, uh, people who don't eat, I guess. Uh, but but the juice or the water or the energy drink or whatever the fuck is in that can is he gives it to Rosalie. So it's for Rosalie. And that's why I was like, oh, Rosalie, you know Rosalie's not drinking Red Bull. She's drinking, like, LaCroix. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it was like a LaCroix. But it was like a skinny red can of something. Probably like a sparkling water juice or something like that. And and also I, I did notice uh, Jasper is definitely eating the salad. Like, in this scene. Like, the Cullens are actually eating in a lot of these background scenes where you're not really supposed to be paying attention to what they're doing. Um, and I did read that they had to refilm a lot because Kellen Lutz, who plays Emmett particularly, would just, like, eat the food, which <laughs> is classic. That's, like, so Emmett. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but in this instance, it's Jasper. You can definitely see that he's, like, chewing. And, yeah, that's what the Cullens brought for lunch on day one. A bag of eggs, a single apple, two salads, and LaCroix. Yeah, their lunches throughout are, are, are pretty decently strange. During our most recent watch, me and Laura actually, like, got really close to our TV, and we were like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Um, so we got, we got pretty into it. Mm-hmm. You know what? Right along, can we stay in the cafeteria? Yes. This is a bit of a jump as far as movie goes. Okay. But there's this scene in the cafeteria. You know that iconic scene where Edward holds the apple? Yes. And he's talking to Bella at the salad bar, mm-hmm. which, you know, wherever that came from. Yeah. <laughs> the Cullens are like, they show the Cullens in the background for like a split second. Yeah. Like without Edward. And just out of nowhere, Jasper's head pops oh up like God, a yeah. cat, And he looks like directly at the camera like... Like Laura said, like Jim from the fucking office. Yeah. And it was actually fucking delightful. But it wasn't Jim from the fucking office, like, in spirit, because Jim from the office always looks kind of like, well, here we go again. But Jasper in this scene looks, like, alarmed. Like, <laughs> Very <deeply> concerned. <laughs> the Collins in that cafeteria are goddamn delight. It's so fucking funny to just watch them in the background. It literally pretend, is. Pretend, like, not to eat while they're actually eating. Yeah, they're, like, pushing carrots around the table and shit or whatever. Kellen Lutz was hungry. <laughs> Kellen Lutz was trying to eat, Kellen man. Kellen Lutz He's is, like, a dude. growing boy. <laughs> he was, he had a hard-boiled egg in both hands and he was just, oh, oh. Yeah. Next thing that I think we absolutely need to talk about is the van scene. Yeah. Which Catherine Hardwick so severely improved upon. She did. I mean, she probably, well, I mean, I know she didn't write the script, but whoever did, 
like and had to like adapt that scene from the book into like a, a screenwriting thing. Melissa Rosenberg. Okay, Thank God you. bless Melissa Rosenberg because she read that and she was like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna write that the van skids across the parking lot. Uh, it's gonna crash into Bella. Edward kind of jumps in between it and her, and he pushes it away. And that's it. And that's it. And I mean, we've talked about this before, but like, God bless it. Yeah. Like, God bless Literally, they did so, so well with what they were given. Oh, yeah. And then Bella goes to the hospital. And the reason that I bring up, I don't want to go scene by scene, but Bella goes to the hospital. And the reason I bring this up is that Charlie's there, as he very well should be. Yes. And this leads me to the char- Charlie's character as well. It's a goddamn delight. Oh, he's so good. Like, in this scene, um, Tyler's, like, keeps leaning over trying to apologize to yes. Bella. And eventually, uh, Charlie just reaches up and just... Pulls the curtain between them. Like, oh no words. God. And it's really funny. Wait, speaking of Tyler real quick. I just wanted to mention something that I noticed upon my, like, 50th rewatch of this movie. Which is that the first day that Bella arrives at school. Like, when they do, like, the introduction of all her friends. They don't really introduce Tyler at all until this until this accident scene. But he is there at the very beginning when she shows up. And he's there. And he's sitting in the parking lot. And when Bella pulls up in her 50s Ford truck... He says to her, sarcastically, might I add, nice ride. And I'm like, you drive a van. <laughs> he's literally, the next time we see him, he's in a fucking square van. Square blue, like, old as fuck, like, creeper van. And and he's he's making one of Bella's truck. Please. Please, Tyler. But anyway, back to the hospital. Well, that's really all that I had to say. Except for that um, Peter, whatever his name is, uh, Carlisle, gets, um introduced he as we know and and another thing though uh which is this is not something that happens in the book but i found it a fucking delight (laughs) i Uh, know what you're gonna say that's why (laughs) i'm laughing rosalie dead ass in this movie goes to the hospital just to yell at edward for saving bella like none of the other cullens are there besides carlisle who works there it's just rosalie carlisle and edward and she's like edward i cannot fucking believe you just did this if this you, we will all be implicated. Like, what, what were you thinking? Like, blah, blah, blah. and she's just like kind of whisper yelling at him in the middle of the hallway. And uh, Carlisle yeah. peeps Bella like peeking around the corner, and he's like, "Let's go to my office." Like, it's so good, and it's just great because like it, it leads you to the mental image that like literally the second this happened, Rosalie turned around and busted ass <laughs> to the hospital. Emmett was probably like still in the parking lot, like, "Babe, babe, where you going, <laughs> babe?" Emmett didn't even realize. Emmett was too busy being like. Yeah, that was great. And he turns to be like, babe, did you see that? And she, and it's just her hair, like the puff of wind as she like flies away. Yeah. Great. Um, Greatness. Rosalie in the movie is so much like more, well, not, I don't even want to say more, but just so much more blatantly pissy about the Bella situation. And it is so delightful to watch. Like, her snark and her attitude towards Bella are just like, mm, chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. So good. We need to bring up something that, let's say Catherine Hardwick, but also probably the writer, okay. Melissa, did for this movie. Which is that, you know, you know the Twilight book, how uh, they basically mention the nomads one time, mm-hmm. and then they're there. Throughout this movie, oh, right. okay. they yeah. show the nomads eating, eating people. people. They do this at least two times. I'm pretty yes. sure they do it two times. And there's also this scene where they pull over, is after Port Angeles. Bella's in Edward's car, he's driving her home. Uh-huh. And they see a bunch of cop cars, as well as Carlisle's car, so they pull over. And we also get a scene where they're like, oh yeah, 
I think Wayland, his name's Wayland, was killed by an animal. Yeah, a so, character invented purely for the movie, by right, the way. Right, which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it was good and it was well done. Like, especially uh. the way that it kind of shows that they're getting closer. Because the initially the first guy that we see them kill is a guy who works at like a mill or something. And Charlie kind of mentions it offhandedly as he's going to work. He's like, I'm probably going to be home late because a guy over in blah, blah, blah County got killed by an animal. Uh, so it's not like directly, it's like adjacent to Forks, but like not in Forks. And then the second guy is Charlie's friend who actually lives like in town. So we can see that like the nomads, they're not initially in town, but they're like getting closer as the right. movie goes on. Which I think is very good and very effective. And it was a great thing to yeah, add. I, I don't know why Stephanie didn't do that in the book. Cause she's like I know it. you can get away with it in the book, technically. Like you wouldn't be able to do that in a movie. Everyone in the theater would have been like, what the fuck? But it it shouldn't have been allowed in the book either. There's this whole part in this movie. It's kind of like done in a montage type of way. And this is after they do the... Um, I, I wanted to mention the field trip that they go on. The field trip. You know, the science field trip. With the Bella, it's a worm. The stick. The compost tea. Uh, j- like, Jasper and Alice are there. Why? I was under the impression that Jasper and Alice were older than Bella and Edward. I think... But, I mean, I guess they couldn't be that much older. No, because, I mean, if Edward's a junior, then, I mean, Max, they could only be, like, a year older. And I think that, like, Emmett and Rosalie are supposed to be, like, the older two. Uh, So I would not be, like, shocked. Well, you know, uh, canonically, Jasper and Rosalie are supposed to be twins. You're fucking right. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. Oh my god. What, what, is, what is the truth? What is the truth? Like, ass, ass? <laughs> Alice and Jasper are on this field trip, and I just kind of, like, in my head, I was like, oh, maybe it's, like, juniors only, but Rosalie should also be there, because she should also be a junior. This is, like, a fucking, like, in Riverdale, you know, the twins in Riverdale. Yeah, and they're in different And they're, like, in different classes. fucking grades. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so fucking weird. Like, what is happening? Yeah, I mean, science class in this movie is actually, to be honest, a fucking delight. It is. It's a fucking delight. It's a golden I would love to talk to the man who played Mr. Banner. Oh my God, I just want to shake his hand. He's so, uh, he plays so convincingly the role of an enthusiastic high school science teacher. Really? Really like, does. shout out to the Golden Onion. When, when, what, Eric, is it Eric, like, tries to, like, drink the tea or whatever, and he freaks out. He's yeah. like, don't drink it! It's for the plan! Yeah, like, it's so good. <laughs> Should we talk about the the Cullen household? The meeting of the Cullens? The official meeting of the Cullens? The scene where Bella goes to that household? Yes! That is one of the best fucking scenes in this so movie! So good! Of course! Remember how disappointed we were when we read that chapter in the book? That's because nothing could ever be this good. No, okay. it's so Nothing delightful. could ever be this goddamn good. They are cooking her an Italian meal. They have like a cooking show on. Yeah. They're like frying up some bacon, chopping up some stuff, making an Italiano for Bella. And, and Bella walks in and she's like, oh my God. And you know, Rosalie's like, is she even Italian? And so, is it, it's is Emmett. Emmett. He's like, well, her name's Bella. <laughs> Babe. So funny. And I then, think it's great because they speak awkward Italian yes, to Bella. Yes, Esme does. Yeah. Molto bene. Molto bene, yeah. yeah. She's like, Bella, we're making Italiano for you. And Bella goes, what does she say? I don't know. I just remember molto bene. <laughs> Bella says like, 
oh, grazie, or something yeah, like that. It's like something dumb. Oh, molto bene. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, es- Esme in the movie is so cute. She is cute. I was actually, like, kind of creeped out by Book Esme. But movie <laughs> Esme, Esme is a weird. <laughs> Book Esme is kind of weird. But um, movie Esme is such a cute mom. Like, she's so sweet. She plays the role well. She's so good. That she yells at, uh, she doesn't yell at, but she, like, scolds Rosalie when Rosalie breaks the bowl. She's like, Rosalie, you, go, you clean that up now. She breaks a bowl. With her hands. I wanted this so badly in the book. Okay. Because, okay, molto bene. Yeah. And they're like, we hope you're hungry. And Carlisle's like, we've never used this fucking kitchen before. This house is obviously fucking personally built for us. I don't yeah. know why we built in a well, kitchen. Well, I mean, I guess in case anyone ever had reason to be there, they yeah, need whatever. to have one. Whatever. Whatever. But they could have made it a little smaller. They could have made it smaller, not quite so fancy. Maybe yeah. if they ever wanted to sell. But uh, anyway, uh, Bella is awkwardly like, oh, yeah, and Edward Bella douche, was douche definitely going to eat that whole oh, Italiano dinner. Absolutely. And fucking Edward just has to be like, she already ate. I just want to take Bella to my room yeah. and l- listen to Claire to Loon and And then shit. Bella has to awkwardly be like, well, I, I just, I know you guys don't eat, so I just, I and everyone's like, oh my god, no, it's it's okay. Except you know, for Rosalie. Except for Rosalie, who's holding a salad bowl and immediately just goes, crunch. <laughs> and it just shatters on the floor. And she steps over the wreckage in her fucking nine-inch heels. Yeah. And she's like, perfect. <laughs> and then Esme is like, you clean that up now. You clean up that fucking but bowl. But did you know that Nikki Reed, like, cut her hands on that bowl? I believe it. Like, the she, first time that they did it, she yeah. cut her hands on the bowl, and that's why she's wearing gloves. Ah, I was wondering about the gloves, because, you know, I thought maybe they were just a fashion choice, but they weren't a good one. <laughs> no, she's wearing gloves because the bowl was actually glass, and it, like, actually cut her hands when they did it the first time. Iconic. So iconic. She really went for it. Nikki Reed died for the most iconic scene in Twilight, and we, we have to give it to her. During this trip to the Collins, we also get, um, it's Debussy. Ugh. And Bella goes, Claire de Lune is... Great. Great. Yeah, we don't get the awkward, like, pouncing onto the couch, like, Alice comes in to, like, flirt with Bella thing. But we do get when he leaps her out a window, which is just just so happens to be open. (laughs) It would have been so funny if it wasn't. Um, And he goes... You better hold on tight, spider monkey. So fucking cringy. <laughs> like, what uh, the there fuck? are a lot of really cringy lines that the vampires say in this movie, and like, I don't know why, and I wish they hadn't, but they're part of the meme, so they know, are whatever. part of the meme. Like, we point. get, you know, like there's the hold on tight, spider monkey, and then in the baseball scene, you get Carlisle telling Rosalie like "nice kitty," which is fucking weird because he's supposed to be your dad, and then you get my Rosalie, <laughs> yeah, my monkey man, to Emmett. Like, come on. <laughs> And that leads us into we have to talk about the baseball scene. As we become muse once again. Um, this scene is fucking fantastic. The fake thunder and lightning, the cat movement class. <laughs> God, yeah, the cat movement class. And that's why Alice, when she pitches, like her leg goes straight up into the air like a cat about to lick its butthole, I guess. So fun fact, um, I read that if you pay close attention in the baseball scene during the the one shot where like Edward and Emmett are both running for the same ball and they like leap into the air and crash into each other you can literally like see Emmett or like Kellen Lutz as Emmett like jump up on a trampoline (laughs) (laughs) to get into the air it's so funny (laughs) I would love to see you're gonna have to watch it you're gonna have to watch it my god this movie is a goddamn (laughs) beautiful 
that when they like jump into the air and crash into each other, like they actually like had uh, Rob Pat and Kellen Lutz like jump into the air like on a trampoline and crash into each and other. crash into each other. Well, you know what else is funny? I'm pretty sure that when they land, Rob Pat flips in the bird. Does he really? I swear to God, he either does it or he like goes to do it and then is like, "Fuck, this is PG 13 <laughs> Like That's seriously, go back and watch it. You'll you'll see it. That it's is... you can tell it's Rob Pat laughing with Kellen Lutz. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I'm an sure Edward they had thing. a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that scene is just so fantastic. It's so good. Oh my god, it's great. And uh, and Bella gets to tell Rosalie out, out, <laughs> and Rosalie's like. If I, I didn't fucking kill you right here right now. Like, if I didn't fucking hate you before, like, I definitely I definitely hate you now. Oh, it's so good. And then the, like, the nomads show up and the music changes and it's like, yeah. and they come out in the mist and there's, like, leaves and they're like, boom, boom, boom. They <laughs> and they're floating. So, yes, they are floating. It's very weird. They're literally, they're literally floating. floating. It's weird. This is also the part of the movie where they did a really good thing by changing the line, I could smell her across the field from Alice's to Rosalie's. Oh, it's great. Uh, because it, like we said in the, in the, in the episode where we did that chapter, it makes way more sense for it to be Rosalie saying it. And she says it so well. She like gets real close and she's like, like, that'll help. I could smell her from across the field. And she has this look of like utter like. Pure disgust. Disdain. Like she's like, I could smell her from across the field and she smells like wet fucking garbage. <laughs> She hates Bella so much. I she love does. it. Did you know, Ryan, that uh, Catherine Hardwick painted the red contacts that the nomads wear? Hand painted them. I fully believe that. And did you know, Ryan, this is, I didn't realize this until very recently. And I paused the scene, like, to specifically look. And I you can kind of tell. They did a pretty good job. But I'm, I, the idea just disturbed me. They're not actually barefoot. Did you know that? <laughs> so we know that the, the nomad characters, they don't wear shoes. They're barefoot vampires. I guess the actors filming this in the Pacific Northwest where it's like very cold and wet didn't want to get their feetsies too cold because they're wearing slippers that are painted to look like feet. <laughs> Did you know that? Because you can kind of tell like when you if you look at it and it's like freeze frame. You can kind of tell, especially on Laurent. I don't know why. It looks like he's not, he doesn't have enough toes or something. Uh, but yeah, they're wearing like bare feet slippers. Wow. Like ballet slippers. I did not know that. They but are. I am going to describe that as being just fucking delightful. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit creepy, but it's kind of fun. I love it regardless. Yeah. But that kicks off the whole, you know, the whole drama. The drama. Which we know how it unfolds. It doesn't really stray from no it's pretty you know what i will say and i really during the scene i really looked for it i was really hoping that bella would grab sock money when she oh, was yeah? packing up she, and she, she did it there was no sock money in the movie Catherine hardwick was also like it doesn't make sense for bella to have sock money <laughs> like and it doesn't but i wanted to see him so bad i know sock money sock money my rip. son rip sock money. sock money oh um the movie where Bella goes to the hotel and gets the call from James mm-hmm. and, like, goes to the ballet studio. So much less so fucking convoluted. Better. When she gets the phone call, Alice and Jasper are in the lobby. They're both checking out. Yeah. Neither of them are there. Bella gets the phone. I still think they should have been able to hear her, but whatever. They should have. We've but. moved past that. Bella gets the phone call. James is like, I have your mother. 
That's yeah. my vampire voice. And uh, Bella leaves from the hotel. I don't yeah. think they ever make it to the airport. They do not. They don't. Because it it just make it doesn't make sense. It, it makes way more sense to just have her peace out from the hotel itself. Absolutely. Another great thing that this movie gives us, because, mm-hmm. you know, she goes to the ballet studio, blah, 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 blah. James is there. He's beating the shit out of her. Yeah. As we get an... It's not longer extended or anything. Obviously, we have come to find out that the budget was pretty low for this fucking movie. But we get an actual fight scene. Yes, we get to see James kick it. And you know what's great about this is actually when he does kick it, Alice leaps. Okay, Emmett, Jasper each have one of his arms. And Alice leaps up on his body like a little monkey and just whips his head off yeah which i thought was great they had alice. i thought that that was a alice great addition that shot, alice man. yeah absolutely little freaky alice freaky little alice climbed right up on his body mounted her feet on his hips and went <laughs> and whipped his head off you know what else this gave us what we talked about this in the in the episode where we did the chapter i think it was the angel is yeah. is rob pat's excruciating oh, yeah. look on his face and Oh, and I totally forgot that this happened, but he starts sucking the venom out of her. She's like slowly dying. Yeah. And Let Me Sign starts playing. Yeah. This soundtrack is fucking killer. And uh, what is Rob Pat saying on Let Me Sign? We don't know. Nobody but will we ever love know. it. He's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Uh, and, and then, like, they added in, like, that he actually has trouble stopping. Yeah, Thank like you fucking can, God. Yeah, like you can see it. And Carlisle is like, son, son, you gotta stop, son, son, I'm killing her. And his eyes are like so wide, and he's like gripping her arm, like he's trying to pull it out of his own mouth, and he just can't bring himself to do it. Yeah. And um, I think it actually like fades to black. Like Bella's like dying is peaceful, and there's like this black and white scene or something like that of them in the meadow, and it's like mm-hmm. snowing. So we don't actually see Edward like stop, stop. drinking her blood, I which was a- great. It is great. I have a fun fact about this uh, fight scene. Please. So uh, before James is killed, before the other Collins show up, and it's just Edward, uh, he, like, takes a chunk out of James's neck. Yes. And, like, spits it out. I just kind of assumed it was, like, plastic or something. It wasn't. It was a fucking ham and cheese, dude. <laughs> Dead ass. What? It's, it was, like, a ham no. and cheese, a bite of ham and cheese sandwich that he spits out. Seriously. <laughs> Did he just have it in his mouth, like, waiting? I don't know if it was already in his mouth or if it, like, they had it, like, stuck to the side of, like, whatever his name is who played James's uh, neck, and he just kind of, like, like, pulled it off. Yeah. Yeah, something like that, because he doesn't, like, eat it. He, like, he, like, spits it out, and it looks like it's supposed to be his skin, but it's not. It's It's, ham ham and cheese. cheese, I guess, without the bread. It's just slabs of ham and cheese. Yeah, I don't know why they needed to why add the cheese. Why did they just... <laughs> like, maybe Rob Pat was like, you know what? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this if it's just ham. <laughs> and Rob Pat, what? He's so fucking unhinged. He is. He'd be like... He's such a weird guy. Can I get some cheese on that, please? <laughs> right before you sat, sat down to record, let me sign. <laughs> yeah. Is that... Sounds like my cats at 3 a.m. Oh. <laughs> fucking does yo but it's not weird though that is the weirdest thing like sometimes you just hear uh, a movie trivia factoid and it's so strange that you're like what is this industry like Like the slippers painted to look like bare feet (laughs) the ham and cheese neck why did they just take out that they were barefooted (laughs) why did they just (laughs) let them wear shoes I don't 
don't know. And again, like, weren't we talking about that when we actually read it? We were like, it would kind of make sense for them to have <laughs> they shoes. Have boots. Yeah, Please. like, they don't need to be barefoot. God. Coming, we're coming up to the end of this movie now. Uh, we, we basically, well, all that we have left to talk about as far as how great this fucking movie is, is, as I've said several times before, this prom scene yeah, but with well, them. First, though, real quick. Sorry, yes. not to interrupt you. Uh, the movie has Charlie at the hospital. We don't see him, uh, but Renee specifically is like your dad's like in the cafeteria. Which makes a big difference and, to and me. It, and it makes way more sense. Like, remember when we read the book, we were like, where the fuck is Charlie? Like, there's no human way that he would hear that Bella's in the hospital and, like, almost died and, like, not immediately be there. Yeah. Thank you, Catherine Hardwick. Thank you for that. It made a big difference to me as a Charlie fan. Yes! Anyway, then they go to prom, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which is just, I mean, I don't really have much to say other than that it's just fucking gorgeous. It is so good. It's great. You get this, like, um... You know, this dance scene where everybody's dancing at the prom. You know, all the little teenagers or whatever. And you get to see the cast and crew. Mm-hmm. All the familiar loving faces. And But then you get, you know, Flightless Bird, American Mouth underneath that gazebo. The fairy lights. And it's just great. It's so just great. Good. And do you know what else they added in at the end of this prom scene, at the end of this movie? It's like the final shot of the movie. And we have to give it a big, hard shout out. And actually, when we talked about it previously, I had said... Oh, I wonder if this was like a Catherine Hardwick like movie stroke of genius or if Eclipse was already out. Eclipse was already out. Ah. So I'm sure that that's why they included this. But at the end of the prom scene, while Flightless Bird American Mouth is playing, mm-hmm. we get this like shot of Victoria dressed up beautifully yeah. for the prom, like standing and watching Edward and Bella dance on the gazebo. Yeah. And she's got like this, you know, she looks devastated. And, like, she's going to get revenge. Yeah. Apparently she's also, like, when Bella first enters, she's at one of the, like, casino machines. Mm. Uh, and you can kind of see her in the background. Like, she's kind of been following her. Right. Did you know, Ryan, that Kristen Stewart was the one who suggested Flightless Bird American Mouth be played Ugh. on that scene? She is a goddamn goddess. She is a hero. She is a true delight. Yeah. I mean, that is, when it comes to iconic uh, songs in this movie, Supermassive Black Hole, Flightless Bird, American Mouth, I honestly forgot about it, but Let Me Sign's a pretty iconic one as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that was her uh, idea. That's fantastic. Thank you, Kristen. Yeah, thanks, Kristen. Thanks for being you. Thank you for being you, Kristen. People say that you're wooden, but I don't think you are. Oh, hell no. You're just cool. So that's the actual movie. I I just have one more thing. Sure. One more thing about the overall design of this movie that I would like to bring up. And that is a little segment that we like to call Forex Fashion. Oh! I just have some some fun facts here. And I I got most of them from a, um, a Screen Rant article, actually. I'll link it in the description. But one of the things specifically that I wanted to bring up is the fact that the costume designers, who actually, one of the women who... I don't know if she was the, like, the costume designer or if she just worked with, like, the costume crew. Mm-hmm. But one of those women was actually the waitress from the restaurant in Port Angeles. Oh, cool. Fun I fact. I heard uh, Kristen Stewart's stunt double was a waitress in that scene, too. Not the oh. waitress, but, like, a background one. There you go. So, I mean, I, I guess that also kind of goes to show how low that budget was, huh? Yeah. But, um, anyways, one thing that they added in as far as, like, the wardrobe goes is the Cullen Crest. Do you guys notice the Cullen crest throughout the movie? Because all the Cullens wear it. Rosalie's got it on, like, a necklace. I think Emmett's got it on, like, a one of those, like, wristband mm-hmm. and workout band things or whatever. What Edward a- might have it on a ring. Yeah. Something like that. They all wear it. Uh-huh. One of the reasons I want to bring this up is that it's not in the books at all. 
that's a thing that they added in specifically for the movie to show like unity among the Cullens. And I personally, in my lifetime, have owned a Cullen crest. Have you? Yes, I have. I think Is I it owned like a necklace. Yeah. Oh. I owned it on a necklace. But that's a, I think that's a really fun little thing. That is a fun thing that they did. You know. I definitely noticed Rosalie's in the first cafeteria scene. She's wearing it on a necklace as yes. well. And it's big. Yes. I mean, it. they're not subtle about it. Which I feel like if I went to school with a family who had a crest, and they all wore it all the time, um, I'd be like, vampires? Well, and also, I mean, it, they're supposed to be foster kids. Like, I know Edward is supposed to be, rela- aren't like... Edward and Alice supposed to be technically related to Carlisle in some way, but yeah. like Rosalie and Jasper are not. So it's just kind of interesting that they also wear it uh, because, like, if anyone had questioned them on it, like, what would their answer have been? Yeah, it makes them seem culty, like a foster like cult. Yeah, it makes well, them seem weird. I mean, the fact that they're like dating each other probably also that also does that. that. Um, the only other thing that I, which I think I mentioned earlier, as far as the um, the budget goes, mm-hmm. is that. You know, a lot of these clothes were, like, off, like, a Nordstrom Rack store. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they were very, like, you know what I mean? But you know what? It, they it, it works. It works. It really works. It looks good, but they didn't have, like, it wasn't all, like, custom made, yeah. like, for the mood, you know, whatever. But, actually, Edward's gray jacket was made personally by the costume designer, oh, Wendy cool. Chuck. She made that herself for him. And I think that's a pretty iconic piece of Edward's wardrobe. It's that jacket he's wearing during, like, the you're a vampire scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, Edward's fucking prom jacket, Gucci. <laughs> really? Everything else was, like, store brand. That jacket, Gucci. Gucci. Yeah, I did notice a couple um, fashion-y things. Like, only because in the book, like, it makes such a big deal out of Kristen Stewart's favorite white eyeless Violet lace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the movie on the first day of school, she's wearing like a green bowling alley shirt, like which I just found really like cute. I don't know. It is super cute. And I would wear that myself. But actually, um, as far as like her color choices go, mm-hmm. apparently they set Bella up to wear like a bunch of like basically her favorite colors, like browns and like greens and like more earthy tones. Yeah. Right at the beginning of the movie. And then towards the end, she was wearing like grays and blues and stuff, like to the Collins. Be, it like was the like Collins. a per- color- character progression. Or that whatever. totally makes sense that they did a good job with that. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the costuming, the, 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 the filmography or whatever the fucking word is, mm-hmm. you know, the, the way that they set it up, the blue tint. The goddamn, uh, the music choices. This movie's a fucking genius. Phenomenal. It is a goddamn indie cult classic. It's, it really is. It really is. None of the other Twilight movies hold this same, like. like, in that review that I read, like, the more commercialized sequels, for sure. They just don't have the same vibe. Yeah, and. It's not to say that they're not good, but they just do not have the same vibe. Yeah, and I think it's pretty common knowledge that Catherine Hardwick did not direct any of the following movies, but I actually found out that all of the following movies were directed by different people, Mm -hmm. except for, obviously, Breaking Dawn Part 1 and 2. That was the same guy. But other than that, it was all different directors. Yeah, and you can kind of tell. You can kind of tell. It's kind of like the Harry Potter movies. You can always tell. You can tell when they switch over. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I just think that, um, you know, I think if they had kept Catherine Hardwick on... I think the series would have been better. It ultimately. would have been better, but I don't think it would have been as successful. Okay. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, it does. Because I mean, the first Twilight movie just comes off as so like indie. Yeah. And the Twilight movies just got so big 
and mainstream yeah, that right. I don't think Catherine Hardwick's style would have held up in that sense. Yeah. I don't think that they would have been as, like, successful. Okay. Yeah. That, that's a good point. That makes sense. Do you have any final notes? Anything you'd like to mention about the movie? We didn't really talk about the vegetarianism, which is not, like, a huge thing. It's just, like, kind of a fun fact we noticed upon one of our many rewatches way back during the shutdown last year, which is that Bella in Twilight Movie 1 is a vegetarian. She never eats meat, and she specifically, like, at the diner orders, like, veggie burgers. And also, I think Stephanie Meyer, during her cameo, which is also in the in the diner during during that scene, she also was ordered uh, a vegetarian option. Yeah, and we noticed this during one of our first watch-throughs. It's, it's not very subtle, and it kind of made us go, oh, was Bella a vegetarian in the book? I, I totally forgot about that. She's not. But she's not, and when we looked it up, we came to find that... It's Catherine Hardwick. It's Catherine Hardwick, and she was kind of... She kind of looked at it as... A bunch of young girls are going to watch this movie, and if they see, like, this character that they love eating, like, vegetarian options, then it will encourage them to also eat vegetarian options, which is why we mentioned, we said, uh, you know, that Clover's making a nest in the couch. But that's, that's why we said that Catherine does this thing where she kind of, like, adds in subliminal messaging yeah. per her agendas, so... Yeah. We looked it up, and yet there was, like, an article where they interviewed her about it, and she's like, yeah, I still get messages sometimes from girls who are like, I'm a vegetarian because Bella was a vegetarian in Twilight Movie 1, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. I'm not a vegetarian, but I respect right. people who are. Sure, absolutely. Um, my one other note that I just wanted to mention is really something that I just found kind of awkward, and I, I think it kind of harkens back to the fact that Catherine Hardwick, like, the budget was low. It was kind of like an indie vibe. Uh, Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson rehearsed the meadow scene on Catherine Hardwick's bed. Like when they first met, they flew to Catherine Hardwick's house and they laid on her bed as if they were in the meadow and they rehearsed that scene. And I was like, what a fucking like, first of all, it's essentially your boss's house. (laughs) Right. There's a guy that you have to like work with who's going to be your quote unquote boyfriend. And this is like the most iconic scene of the movie. And let's do it on our boss's bed to like see see how it goes. I don't know. That's just that's such a twilight movie one fact. Like that would not have ever happened if that budget had not been cut, if it hadn't been Catherine Hardwick. Like it's just such a like we have no idea what's about to happen to us thing and it kind of it's kind of it's, like, cringy, but it's kind of cute in a way, you know? And that just sums it all up. I mean, this movie is a, 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 an entity in and of itself. I mean, it is just, there are endless fun facts, endless, just, like, weird little things that you, weird quirks that you never would find in the more mainstream movies. It's just, it's a fucking delight. I strongly encourage everyone to go watch it once, twice, three Four times. I mean, you will find something new every time. Look at the little trivias. It's a goddamn delight. I was delighted by this movie. I too I continue was to be delighted, delighted by this movie. It, it never gets old, man. It never fucking gets it's old. It's like putting on a, an old comfy pair of bare feet painted slippers. <laughs> <laughs> and taking a stroll through a wet, wet meadow. Well, Laura. Well... That is our movie episode. That is it. 
That is what we do in the meadow season one. Come to a close. We did it. What is next for us? You have to fucking find out. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to take a little breaky break. Not sure for how long. Probably not very long. Yeah, like a few weeks. A few weeks. A couple weeks. I don't know. You know, a handful. However long it takes to get a season two up and running. We got some little side projects occurring Mm -hmm. that you'll have to just keep an eye out for. We'll be on Twitter, at Meadow Podcast, and our personal Twitters as well, which you can find in the Meadow Pod bio. Mm -hmm. I'll leave them in the description. Please tweet us. Keep an eye out for our Instagram. Yeah. Um, And, uh... Go listen to some goddamn supermassive black hole. You'll feel better. Playlist bird American mouth. Let me (laughs) smile. Bye. (laughs) 